Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. I want to welcome everyone, those of you who are watching at our campuses online, to our series, Last Words. And I have to ask this, was anybody excited this last Monday? Yes, sir. Just a couple people. Well, this happened in case you forgot. I mean, KU, man, it was awesome. For those of you, we got a few Jayhawk fans in the audience. That's good. Okay, KU uh, completed an incredible comeback. In fact, the most epic comeback in title game history and wrapped up their fourth national championship. Now, I know we have a lot of Jayhawk fans because I hear it, I'm more of a K-State guy, but I can appreciate that Jayhawks taking the national championship. But here's the deal, KU fans, why did you leave at halftime? And there's so many of you, you know, honestly, you're so nervous, you're like, I can't watch anymore. And KU completed this epic comeback. They were down 15 points at halftime. Most everybody had ridden them off. They came back and scored, outscored North Carolina 47 to 29 in the second half to win. I mean, it was incredible. You could only imagine what Mass Street was like. I mean, people were celebrating the campus all week long. In your home, I've seen the shirts. It's been awesome to celebrate here. But you know what Coach Self and his staff are doing this week? Man, they are preparing for the 2023 season. And there's got the coaching staff has got recruiters back out on the road checking out who is the top recruit that we can lure to next year's team. We've got to put together the winning team again. They are watching game field trying to crack the code on teams that they struggled with. I mean, truthfully, it never stops. And life is like that. Life is like something that really you can have a win in and you turn around and realize that you have to do it again, right? Anybody ever get tired out here? I mean, you're kind of like, man, I'm just ready for something to be finished. I'm ready for something to be completed. I mean, if you have a home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, home projects, they never end. 
I remember getting excited when I was young about my first time. I remember my dad saying, hey, you want to let you know you're always going to be working on something. And it's true, right? I mean, if it's not the windows, it's the siding. If it's not the siding, it's the roof. If it's not that, my wife wants to redo a room in the house. I mean, there's always something that we're doing. And the truth is, for those of you who prepare meals for your family, it's like that too, right? I mean, you can spend hours preparing a meal and then find out once the dishes are there in the kitchen, an hour later the family's ready again, you know? What are you going to make us? And it just goes on and on. And there's these never-ending things, student loans, car payments, bills, taxes. There's your friendly reminder today. (laughs) It just never ends. There's always something. And I haven't even started talking about relationships. I mean, relationships need work too. They don't just take care of themselves. I can remember um, sometime back here deciding that I'd plan a special evening for Sarah and I. And so I, I took her out to her favorite restaurant. I thought, man, this is great. I got a reservation. We're there enjoying this meal together. Afterwards, I'd planned some things. We had a night that we were alone, no kids. I thought, this is great, man. I feel so in love. I feel so connected. We're like we're in our 20s again. And then later that evening, I said something really dumb. And it was amazing how quickly that moment that we felt so in love went to, do I really like you anymore? You know? And it was mainly her to me, you know? And, and I was deserving. But, but that's just how it goes. There's always something to be working on in life, whether it's something in your home, in your life, something that needs improvement. I have to be honest. This is one of the most annoying parts of life to me. It's challenge. It's a challenge because sometimes I just want things to be done. I just want to complete something. I want to accomplish something. I want to finish. You know, I saw this this week. I wanted to show it to you. I, I thought it was actually pretty funny. It says adulthood is saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit over and over until you die. Anybody connect with that? They're like, for Pete's sake, let's just get something done. Let's mark something off. Well, I want to tell you, there are three words, three words that were uttered that were the most powerful words ever said in human history. They're said by Jesus on the cross, and they were said as he was getting ready to go to the cross throughout the course of his ministry. Here are the words, it is finished. You know, last week, Pastor Carter took us through some words that Jesus said on the cross. Those last words that he spoke there at the cross, one of those phrases we learned last week is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Powerful words. But these three words, I want to tell you, these three words are so powerful and they say so much about what Jesus has done. And they're words that we can go back and continue to learn and and understand. It becomes so robust in our spiritual theology to understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, it is finished. And I want to look at this together. So I want to encourage you to uh, grab your Pathway app to to follow along there, or you can follow along on the screen. We're going to be looking at John's gospel, his good news And I want us to look at this image, this 
actual representation of what Jesus is saying on the cross that means so much. Here's what it says in John 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, I want you to know that Jesus has been on the cross for hours. And he's been fighting for his life. The instinct of survival, pulling up by his hands and facing the excruciating pain of the nails through his wrist just to get a breath. And then falling back down, beginning to need a breath again and pushing up on his feet and experiencing the excruciating pain in his feet from his feet being pierced together just to gain another breath. I mean, this is the battle that's going on and on. And then they choose to give him a drink. And they soak this sponge and put it on this hyssop stalk. I I want you to just tuck away this random detail. We're gonna look at it a little bit later. And, And Jesus is there finally able to speak and he says these words, it is finished. And with that, he gives up his spirit. You know, for the casual observer at the cross, or those even through history who have been able just to read this account, many of them have said, yes, it's finished. You died. It's done. But to just take this at face value, it's to miss an extraordinary saying, something that is so deeply impacting who we are, And that's what I want us to do. I want us to be able to dig in in that way. You know, I don't know if you remember the TV series 24. It was on a number of years ago, and here's how it kind of went. They would find a scene that would kind of captivate you. It would kind of draw you in. You're trying to make sense of everything that's going on. And they would freeze that scene, and then they would begin going back over the next 24 hours to give you little details that you could pick up so you could really understand what happened in the scene that you began with. That's what I want to do here. I want to do that with the cross. I want to freeze this frame that we just read of Jesus being on the cross, and I want to go back into the Gospel of John, and I want to look at some details that Jesus gives us about his finishing work so we truly can understand how significant how powerful this statement is. But before we do that, we need to brush up on our Greek. Now, a number of you would know that the Bible in the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Aramaic and Greek, primarily Greek. But sometimes when we go and we dig into the original language again, we learn about a word in a really deep perspective. We're able to see what the writer was trying to tell us things that we can capture. So I want to look at this word finished and see what it means actually in the Greek. So we're going to uh, say the Greek word together. It is tetelestai. So I'm going to give you a chance. There it is again, tetelestai. You guys ready? We're going to do this at all of our campuses, those of you who watch online. One, two, three, tetelestai. 
This word is so rich again. To Tetelestai means to complete, it means to accomplish, it means to bring to an end or to make perfect. This is what's being communicated at the cross. You know, when we think about this, there's like, wow, wouldn't it be great to have something that was finished, something we didn't have to think about anymore, a task that was completed. And you're like, yeah, Todd, we do that all the time. We finish things, we complete things, we move on to the next thing. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't have the picture yet. I want you to picture it like this. It would be like you going into the bank, and I want to tell you, I am fantasizing about this day. You going into the bank and them presenting you with the mortgage to the home that you have, and then them stamping, when you still owe money on this home, this word across it, tetelestai. And if you're sitting there and they stamp that and you understand the meaning of it, man, you are excited. Because here's what it means. This payment that you owe has been paid in full. It is complete It's been brought to an end. I want to tell you, I can't wait for that day. The bank will no longer bother you again. Don't send me a letter. Don't send me a payment. I'm done. I'm walking out of here. What a great day that will be. And really, the writer John is trying to help us understand the deep meaning of this. And if that's the picture that he is trying to give us, then we have to ask the question, what is it? that Jesus actually is finishing here. Well, let's take the cross and let's start walking backwards. Let's go back into John's gospel and see what he truly is trying to help us understand. As we open up to the beginning of the gospel of John, we find this weird character, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is kind of like this prophet teacher, and he really chooses to go on the outskirts of the communities of people, the cities and the towns, and he begins to deliver this message, and he's actually kind of intriguing. And people come out just to hear him, like, man, you got to get, you got to get a load of John, man. You got to come catch what he's saying. It's, it's pretty wild. And so they go out, the Jewish leaders and the people, and John's message is this, repent, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of God is near. And he would say it again and again to the people. He he wanted them to understand that they needed to get right with God. And he wanted them to understand that there was the Messiah that would be coming. And that the Messiah would make everything right. Now the Jewish people understood this. They had been waiting for this. But one day John sees Jesus coming. And he says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, immediately for the Jewish believer, for the one that followed God's plan and hope for the Messiah, it begins to click. That this imagery is so intense. The Lamb of God. They celebrated Passover every year, and in celebrating Passover, it was the opportunity to tell the story of God's faithfulness. They would tell the story to their children, their grandchildren. They would celebrate a meal together. This is something that God asked them to do. God asked them to do so they would remember his power. They would remember that when they were captive in Egypt, 
when God sent the final blow, the final plague to release them, that they were to go to the doorposts of their home and they were to wipe their home with the blood of a lamb with what? A hyssop branch. Isn't it amazing how God pulls things together? I mean, this incredible imagery of the blood that has been wiped on the doorframe of their home, God is telling them something. And now John says this, and some people are like, man, I think I get it. I think you're saying that maybe this might be the Messiah, and maybe there's a way back to God. And other people are kind of like, you know, that's just John being John. John's kind of weird. He says crazy stuff. And they just kind of let it go. But after a while, we find Jesus again. We find him at this point, his popularity is growing in Judea, and he decides to head off to Galilee. And as he goes from Judea to Galilee, from the south to the north in Israel, he has to go through Samaria. Now, here's the deal about Samaria. The Jews, they do not enjoy traveling through the land of Samaria. They, They don't like this division between Judea and Galilee, and many times they would walk around the community of the Samaritans just to be able to avoid them. They just didn't like mixing with them. They thought they were lower than them. They didn't appreciate them. They didn't want to be involved in their life. So Jesus decides one day that he's going to walk straight through Samaria, and he stops at a well. And when he stops at a well, the disciples immediately go, Jesus, I see you want to stop here. We don't. We're going to go find some food. And so they take out to go get a drive through order for lunch. And, and Jesus is there at the well, and there's a woman. And he decides to start talking to her. Now, there's another thing that's going on here that we know, many of us, but we have to capture this. We, we know that not only did Jews and Samaritans not mix, but men didn't speak to women. They weren't that open, and really a man who had the popularity of Jesus, a great Jewish teacher, he wouldn't even have thought about talking to a woman, especially one as we learn here in this chapter with a shady past. But you know what Jesus does? He decides it's important for everyone to walk with someone. He decides today that he is going to slow his life down that he is going to take the time to be interested in this woman. And as he is interested in her life, spiritual conversation begins to develop. He, he begins to tell her spiritual truths and also challenge her in the way that she is living. Well, you know what this woman does? She gets excited. I mean, she's so excited. The writer, John, tells us that she goes back and starts to tell all of her friends Hey, I think I found this teacher who really gets me. Well, eventually the disciples come back with the carryout order, and we want to catch up here, so I want us to read what John says. It says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. I mean, I want to tell you, there's so many times that Jesus says things that don't make sense to his followers. This is another one of those times. They're like, I'm confused. We went to lunch because we wanted to get out of here. We know it's important that we eat. 
So, Jesus, here, here's some food. I mean, what, what happened? Did someone drop off some wings while we were gone? I mean, why, why won't you eat? And Jesus is like, my food, my nourishment, my sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Did you see it again? To finish his work. I want you to know that Jesus is saying something here. And and this is important for us to get. He's teaching his followers the first lesson about his finishing work. He's saying to them this, hey boys, I want you to look around here in Samaria. And they're looking around, they're going, Jesus, we're looking around and we're ready to leave. And he says, no, I want you to look at the people of Samaria. And his followers are looking, they're saying, we see the people of Samaria and know this, we hate them. We're ready to go. And Jesus says, you know what, the harvest, the harvest is so plentiful. The good news is ready to be shared. I want you to know that Jesus' finishing work is for everyone. That's what Jesus is teaching them about his finishing work in this first exercise. Is, is man, it takes time to set with someone who is different than you. It, it takes time to get to know people where you may feel like you're the outsider, but God's truth and God's love, it needs to be shared. You know, I want to let you know it's one thing to believe that. It's another thing to like read along the scripture and go, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Everyone needs to know the love of God, but it's a very different thing to live it out. I, I mean, I have to ask, how many times are you placing yourself in uncomfortable situations, in places where you're the outsider? Are we willing to walk into those areas of life where we're the foreigner and be able to truly let people know that God loves them and that he has a plan and that he will complete his finishing work? Well, let's go on and catch our next clue here as we understand how the finishing work of God is something that Jesus didn't just do on the cross, but he's doing throughout his ministry. If we turn the page to chapter five, here's what we find. We find Jesus now at a pool. And it's a pool that has these columns. It it was a place that people went who were crippled, diseased, the blind, the beggar, the lame. And we see here Jesus beginning to just spend time with these people. And as Jesus is spending time with these people, he finds a man who has been coming for 38 years to this place. And the reason they came to this place is because they believed it had healing power, these waters. And they would get in the water, and there was this uh, belief that an angel actually would come down and stir the waters, and the first person in would be healed. And so this is something that they believed. And so this guy kept coming back 38 years again and again. He kept coming back. It was the rhythm of his life. And Jesus walks up to him, and he says this, do you want to get well? If I'm one of Jesus' followers, I'm like, Jesus, are you serious? Do you recognize this guy's been coming here for most of his life? Of course he wants to get well. Jesus ignores anyone that may have been asking that question may have been going like, seriously, Jesus, he just says this to the man, stand up, 
pick up your mat and walk. And John tells us immediately the man stood, picked up his mat, and he began to walk. I mean, this is one of those places in Scripture you just wish you could be, you wish you could like celebrate it. Man, you'd be given high fives, fist bumps, you'd be so excited that this guy for 38 years of his life has been crippled and now he's able to walk. It's just unbelievable. But the Jewish leaders don't see it that way. They're, they're not super excited about what Jesus has done. Let's pick it up. It says, then the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Man, do you want to know how to tick religious people off? This might be worthy of a note, you know? You want to know how to frustrate religious people? People that believe in following all the rules as these leaders did, just tell them that God is opposed to man-made religious rules that are more oppressive than liberating. And this is what Jesus is experiencing here. I mean, these Jewish leaders, they're more concerned about looking like they're doing the right thing than actually doing the right thing. And sometimes we can be like that. We want to look like we're doing the right thing, but doing the right thing, and that may take some sacrifice, that may be uncomfortable, so I'm not sure that I want to do that. And so we need to be careful here to understand that God's heart is to do the right thing. Jesus blows them away here. They're all concerned about the Sabbath and him working on the Sabbath. You know what Jesus says to them? I want you to know that I don't just work on the Sabbath, but who else? My Father, God never stops working. Jesus is just blown away. But he knows their heart. He knows that they love religion. And he continues. He says, John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to, here's the word again, finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. Jesus is saying this, man, I know that you love John the Baptist for a while. You like to go out and listen to him until he begin to condemn your love for religion, your love for practices, and then you didn't want to have anything to do with him. But I, I have a stronger testimony even than John. You will witness me do something that John proclaimed that I would do. And so if you didn't like John, you're not going to like me, because here's the truth. When I am about the finishing work of my father, I'm proving that he sent me here. This is my proof. This is my testimony. I want you to know that Jesus' finishing work is to value people over practices. And that's what Jesus is about. He wants to value people, this individual that he's healed, over the practice of observing the Sabbath. And when Jesus healed this crippled man, I want to tell you all kinds of things started to go well for him. I mean, not only did he receive healing, that's the obvious part, and he could walk, which he'd been waiting all of his life to do, but now he was welcomed back into the religious community. He'd go to the temple and worship, which he couldn't do before. 
it's kind of crazy to think that someone be, would be excluded because of their physical limitation, a handicap. But that's something that the Jewish people were limiting. They were limiting people in the temple. They were limiting people in relationships because they didn't look like them, because they had a physical ailment, a disability. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I understand that the Old Testament even taught some of this, but I am breaking this barrier. And I want to let you know that today people are more important than practicing religion. You know, I want to challenge us before we leave here, just real quick. I think it's important for us to ask this too. Do we have any practices in our life, religious practices, that limit people? that don't allow them to come in and experience what it means to be in our homes or in our lives or in our church. I mean, God wants us to make sure that we are putting people over our religion, our practices. This is the finishing work of Jesus. There's another that I want to tackle here, and I think it's important. It's the prayer of Jesus. We're going to find it in John chapter 17. In chapter 18, we'll see him arrested In chapter 19, we'll be right back there at the cross. But he prays this prayer. It says he looked to heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I've brought you glory on earth by, look, finishing the work you gave me to do. Jesus is saying this, you know, I, I brought you glory, Father. You've given me the opportunity to extend eternal life. And did you see this once again by the finishing work that you gave me to do? Jesus is just hours away from the cross. He has one more finishing work that he has to complete, and that's to pay the debt, the debt of sin that you and I owe. It was Jesus' life for our life. And he knows that. And I want to tell you this finishing work that Jesus has, that he shows on the cross, that he shows throughout the life of his ministry, it can bring deep rest to you and I. It can bring peace, shalom for our souls, where we can rest in the presence of God. It's not just about being forgiven. It's not just about being given eternal life. It's about being in an intimate personal relationship with God. That's what Jesus does at the cross. You know, if you've never experienced what it means to be in a deep, intimate, personal relationship with God, if you question where you will go, whether you experience eternity with God or eternity in separation from God, I want you today to surrender your life and to make that decision. And I'm gonna give you a chance in just a moment. But first I wanna ask this question. For many of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, do you live life like it is finished? It's a question we need to answer. I mean, do we understand the power of these words? It's one thing to say, yeah, I get it. It's another thing to live it. And I think what can happen is we can see some extremes. We see a couple extremes. You know, some of us, we live as though the cross was unnecessary. You know, we've accepted Christ even in our life, but we don't live like the cross is necessary for us. We're not broken over our sin anymore. We don't grieve our sin. We say things to ourselves like this, well, 
Of course I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. You know, I'm really a good person most of the times. But then we go out on the ball field and we act this way and we come to church and we act this way. And then we have this uh, spirit within us where anytime we're challenged to take another step to grow in our spirituality, to give more territory over God, we're resistant. We have a hard time sometimes naming personal sins. I'm not talking about the obvious ones that everyone can see, but I'm talking about the sins, the sins of the heart, the sins that are deep within us. I want to let you know there is no such thing as a good person. There's only this type of person, someone that is broken, someone that is lost, someone that apart from Jesus' saving, finishing work can never experience the love, the intimate relationship with God in eternity. We need to ask ourselves, am I living like that? And there's some of us who live as though the cross was not good enough. That's the other side of it. You know, we tend to carry around our sin. We We don't think our sins can be covered. We think they're too bad, and so we feel this obligation to walk around in guilt and shame. And we'd even say this, you know, grace, I understand grace, I think, but it's really something for other people. It's not for me. And because of this, there's so many things that limit us. We don't even feel like we can lead our kids because we've done things in our past. We feel like maybe we shouldn't even be here today because this last week or this last month, I did something that is shameful, it's hurtful, and I'm not sure that God would choose to forgive that. I want to let you know that when Jesus says, it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. It's complete. It never needs to come up again. It's something that's been taken care of, accomplished. It's something that is eternal, God doesn't need you to help him save you. God's done all the work. He did the work on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. And so today I just want to ask, are you living there? And I don't want to just ask it, I want to give you time to think about it. So I'd like everyone to bow your heads if you would, to close your eyes, and I just want to give us some space here. I know for many of us, Man, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And we know the story of the cross. And we've been told that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And we tend to believe it a lot of times in our life, but once in a while when sin comes into our life, we either are choosing to ignore it because it feels something in our lives that is so overwhelming or we choose to ignore it because we're just not sure we'll ever be good enough. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I want to just ask this question. Are you living your life like it is finished? And if you know you're not and you know you need to reset today, that that maybe just there's even this little area that you need to reset in and you need to completely believe, assuredly believe, that when Jesus said, it is finished, it is done, the payment has been made, then I want you to raise your hand right now. If you know you need to believe that a little bit more and you've been following Jesus even, I want you to raise your hand at all of our campuses. Raise your hand. Man, if you're watching online, you can just type there, that's me, in the comments section. Just raise your hand. 
And I just want to pray for us. Father, I just, um, I thank you for everyone's honesty. And Lord, I, I know the enemy can get in and the enemy can convince us that it's not finished. That either, Lord, we may think that our sin wasn't that grievous or we can think our sin was so grievous. Lord, and in that, we can get lost and not understand the power of what you accomplished. And so, Father, if my friends today, if we today need to allow ourselves to be reset to completely believe that, I pray you give us the strength to do it. I also want to ask this as everyone is still reflecting with their heads bowed. Have you accepted the gift of the cross? Have you accepted Jesus' finishing work in your life? And if you've never done that, if you've never fully surrendered and said, Jesus, I believe it's all yours. I believe that everything I've done in life that has caused me to fall short, the things that I've done in my life where I've hurt others, I've hurt myself, I want to give that all to you. I don't want to hold on to anything. I want to know that only you can bring true payment for my sins. That your work on the cross is good enough. If you know that's you, you need to say that prayer. You need to accept the invitation to allow Jesus to be the Lord and the only one who can save your life. I want you to pray this prayer just in the stillness of your heart. Let me lead you. Father, I need you. I need you to complete the finishing work by forgiving me of the sins I've committed in my life. Forgive me for, Lord, hurting others and hurting myself. And Lord, I want to know what it's like to walk in freedom. I want to experience a life that doesn't have regret and remorse, guilt and shame, but one that brings liberation to my soul, freedom for my steps. And so, Father, I just ask, Jesus, would you just come into my life and would you mark me as finished? Thank you, Jesus. And at all of our campuses, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, Man, I just want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to raise your hand as a sign that you prayed the prayer to accept Jesus' finishing work, his rescue of your life. If you're watching online, you can just text, that's me, because we want to follow up with you and want to encourage you. So excited about the decisions that are made. So, Father, I just come and I thank you. I thank you for all the decisions, the decisions many of us made who have been following you, who have allowed the enemy to come in and convince us that our sin either wasn't that bad or it was so bad. We just need to once again remember that you paid the price, that you made it all right, that you finished, Lord, what we couldn't finish, that you forgave us. You gave us mercy and grace. Father, I thank you so much for those that accepted you this weekend. We're so grateful for the power of the cross. I pray this week that we would go out and we would continue to share the good news that we would care for others the way that you do. And Lord, that in that, they would see you living in us. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.